Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon. It's Thursday, June 7th, and this is Michael Vandervoort. Uh, this is Drive Through HR. We're doing a show today about disability in the workplace. Um, before we get started and I introduce our guest, I'd just like to do a, a message for our sponsor, which is Clear Company. This podcast is sponsored by Clear Company, a complete talent management system that unifies recruiting, onboarding, performance management, and goal tracking into one award-winning solution. Learn how you can hire more A players with Clear Company. Visit clearcompany.com for product information. Our guest today is Mary Dale Walters, and Mary Dale is a senior vice president with Allsup. She focuses on the company's efforts to ensure access to a continuing quality of life for tens of thousands of customers. Allsup is a company that works with individuals, employers, and insurance carriers to coordinate private and public benefits for workers with disabilities and retirees, including social security disability, ticket to work, veterans' disability, marketplace plans, and private employer benefits. Mary Dale, welcome to Drive Through HR. It's, it's great to have you today. How are you? I am good. Thank you for inviting me. You're, you're quite welcome. Uh, would you like to add any uh, any sort of uh, personal introduction outside of the bio about what you do at Allsup before we, we get started on some questions? Sure. Um, I've been with the company a little over 11 years and have worked uh, across the company in things like product development and communications and marketing, um, research, a lot of research about people with disabilities and our particular customer base. And also, has probably helped over 300,000 people in its history get Social Security disability benefits, uh, Medicare benefits, veterans disability benefits. So we have a pretty broad perspective on people with disabilities and their desire and ability to work with their disabilities. It, it, it has to be. Uh, it's certainly challenging on the. Um, challenging on the on the part of each individual who's affected with a disability, whatever it may be, has to be uh, challenging and also rewarding to do this type of work, I would imagine. It is. Um, you listen to people on the phones, and they, um, I think what a lot of people uh, have a misperception about is people who apply for their benefits, whether they're private, employer, group benefits for long-term disability, or their public benefits like Social Security disability, there's this perception that people are, you know, just don't want to work anymore, that they're lazy, et cetera. But what we continue to hear in our environment, in fact, from 52% of the people who we help with Social Security, they want to go back to work. They want to stay at work. They're struggling to stay at work. And the typical person who is finally at last applying for disability benefits is usually somebody who has progressed to that more extreme point. They've had a, a disability that's gotten worse over the more recent years. Um, and so they, they're trying to make a decision at last on how they're going to function economically, how they're going to support their families, how they're going to manage their own disability and diseases at the same time. Um, many, many employers have programs um, uh, I, I worked uh, year, until the last few years. I worked in in retail at, at a company in South Florida, and we had we hired a, 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 a I think a high number of of persons with disabilities into the retail environment because there were a, gr- a lot of ways to offer opportunities for people to work. 
What are some of the misconceptions that employers might have about hiring people with disabilities? I think there's been a lot of research out there uh, asking employers what their perceptions are in comparison of those research. I think one of the um, um, misperceptions is that these could be high-cost employees to hire because they have higher-than-average um, medical expenses, which affects your group health care plan um, mm-hmm. and, and utilization of that plan. Um, I, I don't really see surveys that back that, that up. Um, there are always people in your employee population who are going to be utilizing at a higher level than the other people who barely utilize their plan. So I think they have to take a closer look at whether that's um, uh, real or not, uh, in my opinion. And I think in our opinion as a company that deals with tens of thousands of people, with disabilities, we, you know, we see if they have benefits, they're able to manage their disability much better uh, at, a, at a reasonable cost if they have group insurance. And if you have someone who is attempting to return to work, if they're on Social Security disability benefits, for example, um, they're on Medicare at that point, and they are their Medicare benefits are protected in some ways if they do go back to work. Uh, so the employer mm-hmm. won't even bear that cost in most cases because that person is Medicare entitled and would stay on Medicare. Let's see. Um, what are some ways? Um, you know, you mentioned that some employers have concerns, whether whether they're based in reality or, or not, um, what are some ways to encourage a disability-friendly workplace? How, how can employers approach that, or how should they approach that? I think there are lots of ways. I think there are resources that employers can use um, to foster the hiring of people with disabilities. I think that they can probably um, work to communicate examples of people within their worker environment, uh, people who are working with disabilities. Um, I think there's a um, there's this idea that they have to accommodate disabilities and that's expensive, um, but there are a lot of ways to accommodate disabilities for people, for both their current population and a potential new employee who has a disability. Um, a good example, a good example is um, if I'm a large employer, I'm probably offering a private long-term disability plan to my employees. Um, and about 33, 34% of American workers have a private LTD plan of this type. Um, inside the employer's environment, they're typically they'll go out on FMLA or short-term disability, and then they reach long-term disability coverage, and they go out on long-term, and they leave the company. Um, if the company makes an effort to really keep in touch with those former employees of theirs who are out on long-term disability coverage, um, we find in our environment those are at the top of the list of people who are really anxious to go back to work. So you can retrieve essentially highly skilled, qualified employees who you hired before if you just kind of keep track with them, keep a conversation going with them, because they really are looking to get off of their benefits, both public and private, and come back. And to be able to go back to the same employer, maybe not the same job, but a different job that the employer can um, find for them, 
it's a win-win mm-hmm. for both. The employer, you know, has a good quality employee that they know can be engaged in their environment, knows their business, et cetera. So creating an environment where maybe they are monitoring those, what I would call alumni, who are out on uh, long-term disability, and based on the type mm-hmm. of disability went out on claim, that, that they might be good return-to-work candidates for them. Um, um, I think this, there's also this, opportunity for employers to look for other resources. There's something out there called employment networks. ALSIP is an employment mm-hmm. network. These are Social Security approved uh, entities that are paid by Social Security to help get people who are on Social Security disability back to work. So it's a free service for those former workers, and employers can certainly reach out to um, these employment networks in their area um, and ask for their help in identifying good quality candidates with disabilities who can come into their company. Um, any, I was going to ask a, a slightly different question, but you, you partially answered it. Um, just from the employer perspective, are there other, like do you partner, does also partner with employers to, to try to develop programs, or do you strictly work with your clients? I'm wondering if there's any opportunity if someone was looking for someone to help them to, you know, like re- would reaching out to also be a possibility, or is there a better way? It's a, it's a good way to start. Uh, we certainly would like to be involved with more employers out there um, who are willing and looking for opportunities to hire people with disabilities. Um, there is a whole list of employment networks on the socialsecurity.gov website that they can look okay. to. Um, states have vocational rehab agencies that function similar to uh, employment networks within the Social Security system, and they can often be helpful in uh, identifying candidates and directing them to employers as well. Okay. Um, In some of the notes that I was reading, it said that research shows that up to 96% of people with disabilities have an invisible disability. What is that? What is that? What does that mean? Um, it literally trans out, translates out almost like you would expect. It is people who have a type of disability that isn't obvious to other people. Um, there's a big organization that uh, we work with um, that can provide a lot of guidance and background to both employers and people with disabilities. It's called the Invisible Disabilities Association. You can find them online. An invisible disability might be something like a mental illness, depression, bipolar uh, disease, um, anxiety disorders. It could be those that um, where they don't really present themselves in a physical way in a lot of times. Um, MS is, is one that sometimes people aren't aware that someone has MS until they have an episode. Uh, lupus is another um, uh, mm-hmm. type of invisible disability, a heart problem could be an invisible disability. Um, and we think about accommodating people at work and we think about, you know, adjusting your desk chairs and having readers if you have a visual acuity problem. Um, but some of these people could um, come into work environments and stay in your work environment if you were able to accommodate their, um, their invisible disability, which might be something as simple as flex time or being mm-hmm. able to work home to do their jobs most of the days. Well, um, this, this is um, 
<clears throat> pardon me. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Um, I'm in I'm in a different state, and I think some allergies are kicking in. But anyway, apologies for that noise. <laughs> um, if you if you're in, in the, like I, I want to switch from the employer focus for just a second. What what if you're an employee and you you know you something happens right like a like say a car accident that wrecks your back or you know it doesn't really matter something that changes your physical condition um how how does how does how do they approach i mean i guess you work with all that's the kind of client you would work with presumably so how how does somebody that's going through this uh kind of work with you guys or or what's the first few steps someone that might take it if they're new to this process if, if you want to call it that that's a great question. Um, I just talked to somebody recently who was asking me whether he was eligible for Social Security disability, and his disability was finally taking over his life, and he was making decisions about, do I go to work today or do I uh, take my car to the mechanic because he had such limited energy. Um, in his case, um, I advised him to do what I would advise almost anyone to do, and that is when you feel like your disability has reached a point that's affecting your ability to work, go to your HR department and start a conversation with them. Make sure you understand how your benefits that you have available to you do work um, about FMLA. Um, and, you know, some of this depends on the size of your company, but FMLA, mm-hmm. uh, short-term disability leave, uh, how you can use your vacation time, whether the company has flexibility in your job or a different job um, that you might be able to do easier. Um, and they usually provide you with pretty good guidance on how to move down this path at each point. It may be you're going to overcome things after three months on FMLA and you're kind of right your ship and you know you're back at work. Uh, It doesn't mean that you can't have a conversation with them that says, you know, this job I'm doing now is a little overwhelming for me with my uh, disability. Is there something else I can do in the company that's a little less strenuous, that doesn't require me to, you know, install phone systems underneath people's desks and in floors and things like that, for example. Right. Um, If you have have long-term disability uh, group plan at work, Definitely ask them about how those work so you get an understanding of the timeline there. Um, And if you are going out on long-term disability, um, you should understand the variations in your long-term disability policy. Some of them have limitations. For example, if you have a mental illness, that may limit your coverage to two years. Some of them may... Mm give you coverage for two years because you can't do your current job, but in another two years they're going to say, well, let's see if you can do any job. Um, Mm -hmm. You have Social Security disability available to you if you're severe enough and you meet the eligibility requirements. A lot of benefits come with Social Security um, if you can make it through that maze. Uh, Some states, like California, have uh, employee disability systems within those states. So there's a lot of options for people out there. It's just very confusing how they all come together and and work together. Uh, so starting in your HR department is is probably your first step, especially if you had a conversation with your doctor where you're saying, I, I'm not sure I can do this anymore, and the doctor agrees. Okay. And so and, and I guess so. I'm just playing off that. So so that's kind. So your your business is to assist. People, right? Uh, um, how how does someone find you? If they, I mean, are, is, are, is it a referral process? Is it like they, they look you up online? 
how, how does somebody get in touch with also to provide help? Um, sure. There's probably a variety of ways, I imagine. Yeah, if they um, were easy to find online, if they believe they can't work any longer because of their disability, we can do a free assessment of their situation to determine if they are eligible for Social Security disability benefits. They can do that by going to truehelp.com or allsup.com. Either one will help them out. Okay. If they're, if they're already out, on disability and they have social security disability and they want to go back to work, they can go to um, our ES, our, our employment services um, website, which is allsupes.com, and there they can find mm -hmm. information about, you know, how I can transition or try to transition back to work. Um, so we can help them on either of those, um, those situations. We often find people have dual benefits. Um, they may be Medicaid entitled. Um, they may be SSI entitled, which is a slightly different disability program. We might be able to help mm -hmm. them in those situations as well. Um, I think it's important to, to point out that if you're, whether you're an employer or somebody already on Social Security disability benefits, there is a really important program called the Ticket to Work program inside Social Security. It's only available to people who are on Social Security Disability, and that's where you find your employment network like ALSUP. Um, ALSUP mm. will help you uh, put together your resume, provide you with guidance, kind of put together a plan for how you're going to go back to work, and help you in, in getting moving down that pathway. Um, if you do go back to work, they will uh, help you understand that your benefits are protected for nine months to 12 months. Um, that means if I'm back at work, I can earn a certain amount of money, I can still keep my Social Security benefits, um, and if I stay at work, I can transition off of my Social Security benefits. Also would help you do that as well and make sure there's less messiness with Social Security. Um, and they'll also help you understand how you have Medicare that will last uh, quite a few years beyond that. Um, and help you literally over the next five years of the time that you go back to work um, at no cost to the individual. Uh, and the employer isn't put in a position to accidentally disrupt someone's benefits if that person has an EN and if the employer seeks out ENs to help them find uh, new employees for them. Thank you. Uh, great answer. Thanks for, for um, answering that. Um, you know, you in one of your previous answers, you you you, uh, you named off six or seven different MS and six, mental illness, and <clears throat> again, pardon me, um, a number of different types of things that that would be classified under the the disability the word disability, I guess. And and I think that in our conversations at work, um, you know, from an HR perspective, I think a lot of times we, I, I know I've done this. We talk about hiring people with disabilities. Your 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 comment made me think that you know that's there's that's really generalizing a group. Um, so what happens when you collapse yeah. that range of characteristics, you know, and just kind of put it into a single category? Is that is that a bad thing or is it a, is it a good thing? Um, in my opinion, it's not a good thing because it essentially perpetuates stereotypes about people with disabilities. 
Right. Someone with di- someone with diabetes would be in that invisible group, and you know they may uh, many diabetics maintain their uh, diabetes in a in an efficient, well managed way, um, and so. To put everybody in that one category, um, it, it, it's too big a lump, so to speak. Um, I know we right. see in our EM environment that there are people that we can see coming through the Social Security disability process, and based on the type of work history they have, meaning a long work history, um, and the type of disability they are reporting to Social Security, um, we know some of those people and some of those types of disabilities um, are good candidates for returning to work one day. Um, and some of those are invisible disabilities. Um, I think it's important, too, to remind people that you have an employee population right now full of people with invisible disabilities. They just may right. not disclose that, that to you. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, recently the uh, under the Obama administration, they made a decision to essentially enforce a part of the uh, American Disabilities Act, which would require large federal contractors to uh, prove, basically, that they were hiring and maintaining 7% of their workforce dedicated to these government contracts um, as people with disabilities. So employers did what, what smart people do. They started with their current population and asked people to self-identify. From everything mm-hmm. I've read and talked to people about, they didn't get a lot of people to self-identify. Um, some people may not think that's their employer's business. Uh, some people may not um, want to be singled out because they worry they will be stereotyped or um, put in that, that big category of disability. Um, uh, American workers don't want to be thought of that way in general. You know, they... Mm-hmm. Um, they, they're, they're at work, their disability isn't disrupting their work at that point, so um, that shouldn't be important to my employer to know that. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a challenge to say, well, how are we going to hire more people with disabilities? It might be more effective to say um, there are certain groups of, of people uh, who have certain types of disabilities that you know, we could structure our workplace around to accommodate those people. Um, mm-hmm. And it's still very broad, um, but you're thinking about it in a broader, more holistic way that, again, not just the typical adjust their death height, give them a reader because they have visual problems. Those aren't the only accommodations that people can have. Right. And I, and, and I think, there, I mean, and just like, just like dis- disabilities and there are employers and how they approach disability, the hiring of people with disabilities, if you want to refer to it that way, I'm sure that uh, – that the their philosophical approach is, is all over the map, from being very reluctant or scared to do it to, you know, trying to trying to do it as a as a you know a, a committed part of their organizational mission. Um, it it seems to me that um, there there's with, like I'm working from a cubicle today, right, in Texas when I live in Georgia, so I just have my computer and my cell phone, and this show is you know coming from San Antonio where where I'm I'll fly home later tonight. So telework, uh, remote work, flex life, you, t- you know, all that kind of stuff. Is, is, there, is there a greater opportunity for employers with the way technology is, is advancing and allowing people to have, you know, greater ability to work in diff- not necessarily in an office? Does that help with what you guys are trying to do? 
I think it does, and there's a lot of data that would probably support that. I think what companies have to do is look at their policies and do their policies inadvertently restrict their ability to be flexible for people with disabilities. Um, for example, uh, work at home. Um, there are a lot of companies that allow their employees to work at home. Um, new employees often fall under a probationary period, however, that prevents them from working from home for a certain amount of time until they basically prove that they're able to do their job uh, inside that employer's environment. Well, that sounds very mm -hmm. logical and rational to all of us who employ people, um, but at the same time, does that create a barrier for hiring somebody who really needs to work from home and can be productive? So taking a look at those kinds of policies and looking at exceptions to those policies, um, uh, does that person have a history of working from home successfully for another employer? Maybe you can take that into account when you're reviewing your policy um, uh, for things like working at home. Flex time, you know, some people have disabilities. It just affects their morning or their evening time when they take their medications and the impact of the medication on them. Um, can you put them either into a um, flex schedule or if you're a 24-hour company, like if you have run a call contact center, for example, uh, can you put mm -hmm. them into a time frame that, that works better for them based on their disability and their medication schedule? Transportation is a big issue. Are you thinking through how you can make transportation options more flexible for employees? Um, are you near a, uh, a bus line, a commuter train line? Do you have people inside the company who are willing and already uh, commuting uh, with the other people that someone could get a ride into work and a ride home simply because they don't drive? Um, and that mm -hmm. is already there, but are you thinking about a new way to reach out to your current employees and say, hey, anybody live in this area and willing to uh, uh, commute with another person? We have just under four minutes left, um, and I, you mentioned one thing that I, before I forget. You mentioned ticket to work, which is actually something I had never heard of, despite working in human resources for over 30 years. Um, so it, it it makes me wonder, and especially given the answer you just gave, are there other programs that employers? I mean, you've, I think you may have partially answered this, but are there other employers like? Uh, I'm sorry, other programs like that that employers should be aware of? that you could think of? Um, I would encourage them if they haven't recently to, to, to talk to their state voc rehab agencies and to their mm -hmm. state employment uh, unemployment offices. There are lots of little programs that get grants and states implement those programs and they help people, I'm thinking off the top of my head, and I live in Illinois, which is a very generous state when it comes to those kinds of programs. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe the state of Illinois has a special program for people with autism. Uh, it has grant dollars to help employ um, uh, young adults with developmental disabilities who are transitioning from high school uh, out into the community, and they may or may not be living independently, but they are good job candidates and they're looking for work, and there are programs for that. There are tax incentive programs for employers where they can take tax breaks in their federal income tax, and in some cases state income taxes, if they hire people with disabilities. 
um, Social Security disability applicants, um, state disability um, programs. Um, I would start with their state to look for those programs. And, you know, grant dollars kind of come and go, but in general at the right. federal level, grants may go out to states in kind of five- and seven-year increments frequently. Um, and it's a good way to get a lot of support, access to the right people, and it's a low-cost opportunity for that employer. The, uh, I don't have any statistics or, or research to cite on this because I didn't do it, but anecdotally, I, I know of many employers who have invested efforts in, in this type of hiring program. And in, we just have, as you can hear, we have 90 seconds. And it, a very big intangible benefit is it also breeds uh, a, a very high degree of uh, loyalty from the employees that you've hired engagement, retention, a lot. You know, it's, it, it, so it's, it's not just about doing good. It, it, it's, 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 a, it's a good thing um, for everyone, I believe, including the employer, if they can get past their conceptions. Since we're down to a minute, um, I, I know you gave the information, but you, can you recap one more time where people can find also on, on the web and how they might reach out to you if they're interested? Sure. If they're an individual or an employer who's looking for Social Security disability assistance or benefit coordination services, it's truehelp.com or alsup.com. They can go to either site. If they are on disability or A-L-L-S-U-P. Right. Sorry, thank you. Just because it's phonetic, people can't always tell on the, on the audio. Uh, so a, thank you very much. That's a good point. Um, and then if they are looking to work with an employment network, um, that is alsup, A-L-L-S-U-P-E-S, dot com. Awesome. Mary Dale, thanks so much for coming on the show. Um, we're, we're like in the last 20 seconds, so I, I want to thank you for being our guest. Very, very uh, informative, and I hope that it will help employers who listen to the program. Thanks for being on drive Through. Thank you for the invitation. Take care. Take care. Bye.